Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And today is our first half of 2023 reading preview episode. Yeah, we have lots of fun people and lots of good recommendations for you today. We got so much good feedback when we did this in June, so I think we're going to make it a twice annual thing. And we have five amazing guests who are bookstagrammers, book talkers, publishing professionals. We have one author. So very excited to see what books they have to recommend to us because honestly, for the back half of last year, I very heavily informed my my TBR pile based on the books that other people came on and recommended. Me too. My TBR pile right now is like a million miles high, but now it's going to be even higher. And honestly, it's fine. Well, before we get into it, should we do some highs and lows? Yes. Tell me about your high. My high is that I'm taking some downtime. I'm refilling. I last episode, if you listened, was feeling quite, I don't know if burned out is the right word, maybe burnt out. Yeah. (laughs) Zonked. And so I have just been taking it easy and that feels really good. It is not something that I usually let myself do and I'm trying not to have guilt over it. Yeah. Good. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. That's a positive update. Yeah. How about you? My high is that we bought a house. So... We own a home now. <laughs> you you closed on it, though. It's official. The yeah. last two times yes, you've talked about official. it has been unofficial. Yes. yes, it is official. We closed on the house. We own the home. Olivia. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. It's really weird. You are adulting <laughs> so hard. I know. It's We were like driving away from um, the house, and I was like, what if this burns down? <laughs> I, go, I was like, oh, that's just my responsibility to deal with in in that case. You know, these are the things I think about. But yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. I'm so excited for you. Have you spent your first night there? No, I think we're going to do that this weekend. I don't actually know if I'm really ready yet, but because like some things still need to be done and we definitely have to deep clean it. There's a bit of a mice situation that we're taking care of. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully I survive. (laughs) So. Well, Tell me about your low. I'd like to read it to our listeners first. (laughs) The outline just says low. Olivia, quote, wore my hair in a bun. (laughs) Okay, so yesterday we got home from uh, New York and I was so tired and I didn't have one of my claw clips. So I put my hair in like a top knot, you know, like you flip over, you put your hair back, you put it in the little bun. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, good God, like why and how did you ever wear your hair this way? I looked like a thumb. It was horrible. I've never looked worse. I've never seen my hairline like exposed like that in so long. And are there photos so that we could accompany this Absolutely episode not. with on social media? It was so it just, bad like, that I literally... It doesn't sound lo- that different from how your hair is right now. It is. I swear to you, it was different. And also, like, I have not gotten my hair colored in so long, so it's so dark. And then when you push it all back, it's, like, fully brown. It just... I All I know is I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm going to use this as my low because I... This is definitely... I look, like, low right now. So, anyway... I'm that sorry you had to experience that trauma. The good news is I won't have to do it again if I don't want to. I've learned my lesson. Okay. But what, it was it was a really up and down week, but what is your low? 
I don't have a real low. I am still not feeling like fully restored, but I'm just like, I'm grateful to have the time and the ability to like move slowly and get back into the swing of things. So I'm like trying not to complain and just be. Yeah. For this well, week. That's good. Good for you. You can tell I'm that my hair is clean. I mean, like things are, things are doing good. That makes one of us. And it's not in a bun, so. It isn't. And it looks great. I can even take my my. It would probably out. look good in a bun, too, though. But bun is really just a, my head shape problem. Okay. Well. Anyway. <laughs> why don't we take an ad break and get into some book recs? This episode is brought to you by the audiobook edition of The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. This ad feels very fitting in the context of this episode because The Villa very well could have been one of my recommendations if we weren't already talking about it here. Seriously, this book sucked me in and spat me out. I've been comparing it to Daisy Jones and the Six meets Verity meets White Lotus, so that should tell you all you need to know, which is that this book is so gripping. And the audiobook edition makes it even better because it's read by three different narrators, including Julia Whelan, who is the voice behind many of the most highly rated audiobooks. If you need some motivation during workouts, chores, or a long road trip, this is the perfect audiobook to get sucked into to make time just fly right by. And Jake and I are going to be driving back and forth to the new house, which is quite a long drive in the next few weeks, and I plan on continuing to listen to this audiobook. If you don't already know Rachel Hawkins, she's the New York Times bestselling author of The Wife Upstairs and Reckless Girls and also wrote the X-Hex series under the pen name Aaron Sterling. She said this book is inspired by Frankenstein, Fleetwood Mac, and the Manson murders. And the book is set at a sprawling Italian villa with a dark past, and it's told in two timelines. In the present, two best friends and writers, Emily and Chess, bring themselves to the villa on a writing retreat. And in the past, in the summer of 1974, a young rock star and his entourage take over the villa for the summer. That faded 70s summer results in a famous murder, but also leads to the creation of one of the most lauded feminist horror novels of all time and one of rock's most famous albums. But of course, everything isn't as it appears, and the timelines collide when Emily uncovers a darker truth to what happened that summer in the 70s. Seriously, I read this book in a single sitting, and I've checked out the audiobook too to listen to on long drives, and it is just so well done. It has become one of my new go-to recommendations when someone's in a reading rut. The book is out now, and the audiobook is available wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Becca, yes, you have been much better about reading 2023 books, and I am very excited to hear about your recommendations for the new year. Yes. So tell me what you've brought for us today. So we told our guests that it could be something they were excited about or something that they've read, and I tried to pick ones that I had read and vetted, which actually really stressed me out this week. But anyway, um, the first book I have for you is Age of Vice by Deepti Kapoor. And this is the book that I talked about last week that I read. I can't stop thinking about this book. It is the kind of book that makes me embarrassed that my book is going to come out this year. And at the end of the year, you know, like some blogger, some journalist is going to be talking about what the best books of the year is. How could anyone even think of my book when this book came out this year? It is it is like a masterwork. I cannot overstate wow. this. I've been thinking about this book since you mentioned it, by the way. 
It's so good. It's really outside of my usual wheelhouse, which I feel like is a strong endorsement for it because it has gripped me this much and it's not even my usual thing. So I'd call it like a suspense book, I guess. The book opens, it's set in the early 2000s in India. It's mostly in Delhi, but then there's some sections that happen in other parts of India as well. And um, the book opens on the first page with a really gruesome car crash that kills five people. And the person driving is a servant of a very wealthy family. The book is about kind of like gangs or I don't know if gangs is quite the right word. Like maybe mafia is more the right word in India in the early 2000s. And it's told from a bunch of different perspectives. It's told from the servant's perspective. It's told by the head of the family's son, who's in his 20s. It's told from his perspective. It's told from his girlfriend's perspective. It's told by his, like, nefarious best friend's perspective. At one point, it's just, like, told from a petty criminal's perspective. Like, it just keeps hopping around. And every time you think you know what's going on, something shocking happens. It would be a terrible book club pick because to discuss it would just be like, did you see that coming? And you would be like, no, I fucking didn't see it coming at all. Like, it's just like bomb after bomb. Like, it is nuts. That sounds, from a writing perspective, I'm already impressed. All those different POVs. Wow. It sounds great. And it's a chunker of a book. Like, it's 550 pages, but the writing is really Spartan and it really flies. Hmm. This is definitely on my list. Yeah. What What is the next one that you've chosen? So the next one is Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. And spoiler, Jenny Jackson is going to be one of the guests recommending books on this episode. So I'm quite starstruck. And um, we'll formally introduce her later in the episode. But Jenny is not just an author. This is her debut book. But she's also an editor. And uh, she's, I think, a vice president at Knopf where she edited Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, which was one of both of our favorite books last year. So I was so excited to check out what her own writing was like. And you know that I like books that are about rich people behaving badly. And this was peak New York rich people. So it follows the Stockton family, who is like a very old money Brooklyn family. It takes place in Brooklyn Heights on the fruit streets. So I found this really fascinating because... I've obviously been to this area and I've like seen the houses, but I've never really thought about the level of like historic wealth who lives there. I kind of think of New York as really transient and I don't know, it it hadn't occurred to me that there were people who were like so generationally wealthy who live on the fruit streets in Brooklyn, but it makes sense. The book is told from three different perspectives. You can tell I'm really loving multi-POV fiction right now. It's told from the perspective of the older sister who's a wife and a mother and has kind of given up her career and given up her inheritance in order to be with her husband. And then there's a middle brother, and it's told from the perspective of his wife, who's married into this family, who is from, like, Providence, Rhode Island, and grew up, like, very working class and then is married into this very rich family. Um, And then it's told from the perspective of the baby sister of the family, who is, like, trying to figure out her place in the world and ends up having an affair with somebody that she definitely shouldn't be. It's so good. The writing is incredible. It's that very rich, detailed, Dolly Alderton and ghosts type writing, which I love. I just the details and the richness is so good. It like it really reminds me of Succession 
if the family loved each other a little too much, like not in an incesty way, but just like in a way that they were like so insular, like only wanted to hang out with each other. Like it's intriguing. It was really good. I've seen this book on basically every most anticipated 2023 reads list, which I'm I'm excited about it. Also, if you judge books by covers, which I do, this book has a phenomenal cover. It's beautiful. It's great. Yeah, I feel like this one's going to be talked about. It's definitely like rich people behaving badly, so it's not like lovable characters, but I'm into that too right now. Like I like a morally gray or kind of like unlikable women. I'm in that era right now. Oh, same. Megan Procott works in ed tech as a marketing manager, talks about books she loves and hates on the internet under the handle at the underscore spines, and finds great joy in painting every wall in her house a different shade of evergreen. If she's not sipping a beverage somewhere in Chicago or on a plane, she can be found at home with her husband, her dog, and a very good book or a really bad book that remains to be seen. Welcome, Megan. Oh, that was a good bio. That was a well-written bio. (laughs) (laughs) Marketing professional. (laughs) It's so funny to hear somebody else talk about you. And like my wall behind me is white, but all the other walls are indeed green. So I'm so excited to have you. I was saying before we got started, I've been following you for literal years when we used to have an Instagram obsession part of the podcast. You were mine years ago. So it feels very full circle to have you on. It does feel full circle for me as well, because years ago, well, I guess it was three years ago now, I went to Istanbul for the first time because my husband is from there and I had so much free time. So what I did was download the entire backlist of that on paper and I listened to it everywhere in Istanbul. So I'll be like walking today. I'll be like, oh yeah, this is where I listened to that one episode of Bob. So, oh my God. That fills my heart. That makes me so happy. It was amazing. I loved it. And and I love you guys. So I feel so lucky to be here. Well, tell us what you brought for us to share today with the class. Ooh, to share with the class. Okay. I have two books that I'm so excited about. And the first one is one that I have already read. And I actually included it in my top 10 of 2022, which is cheating because it comes out this year. But I was in love with it. So This book is called I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. And Rebecca Mackay wrote The Great Believers, which is a book that I often say is my favorite book when people ask. She's so talented. She's from Chicago. And her this next book is also amazing. And I feel like a lot of people have read The Great Believers. And this new book, it's a little bit different because it's a little bit more modern it's set kind of in this time period. So maybe I should give you a summary, which would probably be helpful. Yeah, tell us what it's about. So it's about this, the main character is Bodie Kane and she is a professor and a podcaster. And she basically gets invited to go back to the boarding school that she used to go to, to teach. Mm-hmm. And while she's there, she becomes kind of re-obsessed with this, this case, which was the murder of her roommate when she was at the boarding school. So she starts reinvestigating it through this kind of podcast lens and kind of trauma ensues. So it's kind of literary, kind of true crime. And it's just like a really atmospheric book as well, which I... I need to read this like immediately. Yeah, this was made for you, Olivia. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's I was kind of thinking about books it reminded me of and it kind of reminds me of in my dreams I hold a knife oh but less murdery okay and less thrillery more mystery okay it's, it's Ashley Winstead's um more recent thriller is very similar to what you described actually because it also centers around a podcast that's reinvestigating reinvestigating a murder of her former roommate i think wait oh. no way yeah i'm i'm like not, it's very good i'm sure they're very different like once you get into it but it was funny that you brought up ashley winston because that's what i was immediately thinking about oh my gosh i wonder if they know each other <laughs> they should yeah. meet yeah they should this one comes out in february so it's like it's almost here and it's almost time for everybody to start reading it and i cannot wait to read what people think about it once it's out and people are getting cracking on it so so excited what is your second book that you brought for us okay my second book I haven't read so I don't know I can't say that it's good but I can say that I'm so excited it's called yellow face by rf kuang and she wrote Babel, which I'm currently reading and I feel like Babel is having a real moment right now it's it's everywhere yeah it's everywhere and I, I see it on instagram I'm reading it right now it's really really good but yellow face this new book which is out in May is really different from that one, which is why I'm so intrigued. So it's basically about these two women go to school together at Yale. One is a white woman, one is an Asian American woman, and the Asian American woman dies. And the white woman, June, sees the death and just like decides on a whim to steal her manuscript and publish it herself under <laughs> a, a fake name. She impulsively steals her just finished novel and publishes it not under her own name and photo, but under an ambiguously ethnic author photo and name. So it's it just sounds so interesting. And I feel like in publishing right now, this question comes up a lot of cultural appropriation. Like, is it appropriate for this author to be publishing a work about this type of person or I don't even know, like this setting. So I feel like this book is really going to tackle that in a very entertaining vehicle, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot to impact there. I'm very excited for this one too. This is on my list. And Babel is, isn't Babel kind of like a speculative fantasy type book? Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's about translation and it's a little bit it's a little bit magical, but it's so rooted in academic mm. settings that to me, it's almost like real. It just feels real. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just such an interesting, unique book. That's so interesting. I want to read that in the lead up to this. I just I love when authors write in completely different genres. Like I'm so impressed by it. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I am too. Me too. I agree completely. It seems insane that the same person who wrote Babel is writing this book that I just described because they are so vastly different. But I just know that this new book is going to showcase her writing in such a way that it's just going to be so good. I can't wait. Oh, I'm very excited. Me too. This one, it also kind of gives me like portrait of portrait of a thief vibes just a tiny mm. bit because to me, that book was very academic. It was about art. It was about like culture but it was also super entertaining and about like art theft. So to me, it's like, it gives me similar vibes. I could see that from what you said. And for the final, you know, hard hitting question, if you could go to any chain restaurant with any book character, what would the restaurant be 
And what would the character be? Oh my gosh. I love this question so much. I think I'm going to have to like take this question into my life and ask my friends. Please let us know the answers. It's always fun listening to the responses. Totally. So I think I'm going to have to take Nora Stevens from Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Okay. She and I, I just, I'm so obsessed with that character. She's so funny. And I just think she'd be an amazing time. And we are going straight to B-dubs. We're going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, Wow, I oh. I didn't I didn't see that coming, but you know what? This pairing makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. She does not seem like a gal who wants to get her hands dirty. I think she's like she, she's going to eat this with like a fork and a knife. I do not see this yes. for her like really getting into the wings. Oh, I could see it. I think beginning of the book, Nora probably would be like using a fork with mm-hmm. a bone boneless number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End of the book, she might be dabbling in, in bone in. Who knows? <laughs> Would love to find out the answer to that. Same. <laughs> I, I want to like phone a friend like... and ask Emily Henry what she thinks about Nora Stevens at a Buffalo Wild Wings to just share the answer. I feel like that's the type of question she would want to answer. I know, me too. Of all the questions about the books she's been asked, like guarantee you that one has not come up until now. Yes. Well, I also feel like B-dubs is such a good place if you have never met a person there's not a worse place to go than B-dubs because you're eating it's disgusting horrible. wings. You're being so gross and messy. So I think it would really just bond you so quickly just to see like your face is like full of ranch or blue cheese. I'm a blue cheese person myself. Mm. And sauce. I just think it'd be so funny. I think we'd have a great conversation. I think it'd be- It's a bonding experience. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, I had some really good wings. There you go. A plus answer. A plus indeed. A plus. A great question. <laughs> and I hope to someday. Maybe Emily Henry could take her place and we could have beat-ups. I'd be really down to that. That would be cool, too. <laughs> Megan, you've been so phenomenal, not only with your A-plus answer to our special question, but with your recommendations, too. Can you remind people where they can find you on the internet if they want to follow you? Oh, my gosh. Of course. So I am on Instagram at the underscore spines. Um, and then everywhere else, I'm at Megan Procott. So on TikTok, Megan Procott. And my website is also meganprocott.com. If you want to see some book recs and book lists and Chicago stuff, it's all there. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank you. It was so nice chatting with you guys. This was so fun. Me too. Also with us today is Tracy Thomas, who is the creator and host of The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. She is also the host for one of the books, which is a live LA-based literary series, and she writes a monthly column for She Reads. And you might also recognize her because she's a previous guest of this podcast. Welcome back, Tracy. Thanks Welcome. for having me. But I'm new. I'm new to Olivia. So this is you so, are. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> it's like when you have a lover and then you break up and then you get back together and it's new and different. You know? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it's <laughs> a whole, like. A whole new experience. <laughs> well, I'm so excited you're here for us because your taste skews very dark mm-hmm. and nonfiction historically. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm mm-hmm. very excited to hear what you have for us. 
I will start with my nonfiction because I I do have a fiction pick because I thought, oh, they're going to want me to do fiction. But, you know, if for people who want more nonfiction, come find me on the internets. I've got, I've got you covered. But I'll start with my nonfiction. So I cheated. I did a three for one because this year, 2023, marks the 30th anniversary of the siege of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas by the FBI and ATF. And so there are three books coming out this year about that event. And for people who don't know me, I'm deeply, deeply obsessed with anything that could be considered like a cult that has had some sort of run-in with law enforcement. So Jonestown is another one of my personal favorites. I love a Manson moment. I love that kind of shit. So for me, this Waco anniversary three for one is a big deal. So the three books are the first one, which comes out January 17th, 24th, sometime soon, is Waco by Jeff Gwynn. And he's also the author of that book, Manson, that came out a few years ago. And the book, as I mentioned, I love these things. And also the book, The Road to Jonestown, which was a biography of Jim Jones. And so this book sort of follows in a similar style, but it's about Waco and David Crash. So he's your kindred uh, this, spirit is what we're what we're getting. Yeah, I sort of love him because he writes about all the crazy things that I love. He also has written like 23 other books. Oh. And some of them are novels and one of them's like about Christmas, like things I've truly never read in my life and will never read. But every once in a while, he drops a little, you know, demagogue romance for my heart kind of thing, you know? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so that's the first one. Jeff Gwynn's book is sort of about everything that happens at Waco. It gives you like a run-up. It kind of is like a big overview picture of what happened, why it happened, who the Branch Davidians are, who David Koresh was, what was going on, et cetera. The next one is called Waco Rising, and that's by Kevin Cook. And it has a subtitle that's like ATF, FBI, and The Legacy of Waco. I haven't read that one yet. My hope is that that one is a little bit more about like the militias that were Mm. born out of those events for people who don't know Timothy McVeigh, who did the Oklahoma City bombing. He was like, he was radicalized by the events at Waco. He went to Waco in 1993. He was like selling buttons out of his car because a lot of people were doing that. And then two years later to the day of the siege on April 19th is when he bombed the federal building in Oklahoma City. So he was like sort of one of those people that was oh, inspired that. by what happened. Yeah, really fucking crazy shit. And then he has become a person who's sort of like this martyr for a lot of like very far right conspiracy groups and militias. And so I'm hoping that this book, Waco Rising, gets more into that. Mm. Like a a lot of scholars and historians and people have linked what happened on January 6, 2021 back to Waco. So there's like this sort of 30-year history that I'm hoping is kind of in this one. And then the third one, which comes out in April, is called Koresh, and it's by Stephen Talty. And that one is like a more of a biography of David Koresh. So the three books are different. But I've read the first one. I've read the Jeff Gwynn. I am, my goal is to read all three this year, like before April 19th, which is like the day of the siege. That's like my real plan. I don't know if I'll get there, but as you can see, I'm very excited and geeked about this craziness. So I love how you're nerding out over these like dark, dark books. And you're like, can't wait for my like really dark, tortured (laughs) spring ahead. (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. For people that have seen, there was a recent show about this, right? Yes, with the guy from Friday Night Lights. Yes. For people that have seen that. Taylor something. Taylor Hirsch? Oh, um, Hirsch. Kit. Kitch. Taylor Kitch. Kitch. Yeah. Kit, Kit something Kitch. with letters. I don't know. Somebody will let um, us know. 
Yeah. Yeah. But for people that have seen that, how much more to the story is there? Like, okay. So that's a great question. I started that TV show and I was literally like, I can't watch this. This is, this oh. is, I was not into it. Because it was like wrong? I don't know. I just, I, I just wasn't into it. I wasn't into the acting. I sort of was over it. It didn't, didn't hold me. So I don't know how much of it was in there. But what I can say is from the first book that I read, the Jeff Gwynn, there's a lot about the religion of the Branch Davidians that I didn't know anything about. And he does a really detailed job of making it make sense what happened from the Branch Davidian side. I think like from the ATF and the FBI side, it makes a little more sense. These people have guns illegally. We're going to go in there and get them. But why it ended the way it did and how everything played out, I didn't understand the like biblical citations and things that made that make sense. So I've only read that first one, but that really gave me like a, oh, okay, there's a logic to this, even if the logic doesn't link up with my logic. Like I can follow these events in a way that nothing I've ever seen before has done for me. Interesting. And what is the, what is the second book you've brought for us or the fourth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I break the rules. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. The second fourth book I have for you is called Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. For people who think that name sounds familiar, he wrote Friday Black, which came out in 2018, I think, or 19. That was his debut short story collection. He sort of writes this like sci-fi, speculative, horror, satire kind of in that place. And this book is a novel and it's about a women's correctional facility that does like like American gladiator style competitions to the death for the freedom of the women who are incarcerated for a television show. Uh, like a television network. Yeah. So really light, really light. (laughs) As I mentioned, I really love a light summer read. (laughs) My two favorite, I'm really looking forward to the new Emily Henry that's (laughs) coming out. And I'm sure Colleen Hoover has something that I'll love too. No, uh, if that's your genre, you're not going to like my picks. But yeah, it's, it's supposed to be, again, like in that same line of the speculative fiction and also sort of horror satire. I have not read it yet, but I am so excited to read it. Nana is like such a brilliant author. There's so much in there. We did his book Friday Black on the podcast in 2019 for book club. And like, I just remember my brain was like throbbing from trying to think through all the little pieces and like put it all together. So I'm excited about that. And someone who reads a million books a year told me it's probably the best novel this year. And they're already reading into... August. So this is right up my alley, by the way. I love dark and I love themes like this. So I'm, this is to the top of my list. Okay. Okay. It comes out in April. I love these. I love how excited you are about these. I can't say. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, this sounds too scary for me. It sounds like my thing. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, I don't like, like I don't like scary at oh, all. Oh, okay. You said horror. So that gave me. I think horror, like in the sense that. Like, it's a horrible speculative reality. Like, you know, some speculative is like, we all live, like, on planet Mars. And Mm -hmm. what would that be like? And I think this is, like, rooted in reality, but is horrific in the sense that it's like, holy shit, what if this was life? So it's like a Black Mirror type. Yeah, like a Black Mirror, like a Jordan Peele. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a school for good mothers. I think it'll be slightly more violent than a school for good mothers because Nana writes some violent stuff, but not violent, scary, violent, like kind of like more Quentin Tarantino-y gruesome. Like there was a scene in his first book where there was a man who was on the streets murdering people with a chainsaw. 
you know, like grotesque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's got that satire to it. Right. it's not like horror horror. I would never. It's read like that. violent, but it's not like jump scares. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you could do it, Becca. I'm gonna let <laughs> Olivia like be I'll my king's them. taster and tell me if I okay. can handle it. Okay. Tell you if it's poison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I would. I would be honored. Thank okay. you. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Well, this makes me even more excited to hear your answer to our signature reading episode question. If you could take any book character to a chain restaurant. Who are you taking and where are you taking them? Okay, but can I ask a follow-up question like a true other podcaster? Yeah. Is it a fictional character? I was like, oh, interesting. David Koresh? No, I'm not taking David Koresh anywhere. (laughs) No. I have a fictional character, but then like there's like real light. Like, I mean, can I say Barack Obama? Do you know what I mean? Should I just stick with fiction? Yeah. I think you found the loophole and I think I think it's okay. Can you tell us both? Okay, I mean, well, Barack Obama or like Oprah Winfrey would be my real people. Where are you taking and them? It can be any chain restaurant. Yeah. Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> my favorite oh, place. Good choice. It's a popular <laughs> one. It's Love also like an Factory. interesting personality test for somebody like an Oprah or Barack Obama to be like, what do you go for on this menu? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but my fictional character, who's my people will know this, my problematic favorite, but also just my favorite fictional character is Scarlett O'Hara. I love her. I think she might try to like enslave me or like force me to birth her children, which, you know, or Melanie's children, which like obviously I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. And I won't I won't take her to Cheesecake Factory because she's like kind of, you know, fancier. So maybe we should go to like Ocean Prime or something. Do you guys know Ocean Prime? Yes, I do. I feel like I want to be like a high class bitch with Scarlett (laughs) O'Hara. Ooh, with the like glamour, the, uh, dry the dry ice like those martinis. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want. Or like maybe like towel, like give her ooh. a little like ooh Asian persuasion. You know, like a real performative. Like this isn't actually Asian food, but like Scarlet, welcome to the 2020s. You know, that is that might win for most creative response we've gotten. Honestly, ooh, thank you, Scarlet O'Hara at Tao. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> What a vibe. I don't think you have to worry about anyone stealing your answer. No, no, no. I also don't have to feel like I have to worry about anyone else saying they want to read the Waco books. So I feel good. (laughs) I feel really original over here. I want, as someone who also really is fascinated by cults, I also really want to read those books. So I'm with you. I have, I have a Jonestown book for you. Oh, I've only read like the, the, you know, whatever the most famous Jonestown book is. I don't know. Seductive Poison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like an old one. Yeah, um, I've only read that one. The best one is called A Thousand Lives by Julia Shearers. It's incredible. It came out in like 2011, maybe. Oh, my God. Okay. It's so good. Awesome. I will definitely read that. Tracy, you've been <sighs> Thanks, guys. such a wealth of knowledge and information. <laughs> this has been great. Can you remind people where they can find you on the internet and about your podcast, too? Yeah. So my show's called The Stacks. It's a podcast about books every Wednesday also. You guys are still Wednesdays. We're Wednesday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all Wednesdays. Every Wednesday also, after you'll send about on paper, you come find me. The last week of the month, we do a book club like you guys. And then the weeks in between, I do author interviews with new books, new authors, new books. We have a good time. You can find me at The Stacks Pod on Instagram, at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, thestackspodcast.com. And you can get the show wherever you get your shows. And we talk a lot about books. A little darker than bad on paper. A little more nonfiction. But 
we do fiction. We have our book club pick for January is the meaning of Mariah Carey. That's not fiction. That's nonfiction, <laughs> but it's light. It's Mariah Carey's autobiography. Okay. And it's a dream of a book. <laughs> yeah. It is so good. Did she like, write it? So good. Or is it she a biography it? of her? No, it's her with, she had a ghostwriter, but her yeah. ghostwriter, she actually put her name on the cover, which was oh. really nice. Oh, wow. And But let me tell you, if you're going to do it, do the audiobook because she reads it and she does like intonations and she'll be like talking and then she'll be like, and everyone knows you have to wear Cartier, darling. <laughs> and she looks like, darling. Oh my gosh. Like, forget the, forget the Harry book. I'm going to read that one. Oh my God. Or listen it's, to that it's one. It's got to be better than the Harry book. It's so good. It's, so. it's like such, if you like Mariah Carey even a little bit, it's incredible. And if you don't know her or like are indifferent on her, you'll love her. It's so much fun. I so. love this bonus rec. <laughs> this is why I can never go on other people's shows to talk about books because I just keep going. I'm like, oh, there's Jonestown book. No, it's, Carey, it's great. Oh, I love it. variety. There's variety. I love it. Yeah. So we are so excited to have Taylor with us. Taylor is a New York City-based bookstagrammer behind Books with Tay, who stumbled upon the online book community in late 2019, right before the pandemic. She is a marketing and social media manager for a local flower shop by day and an introverted bookworm by night. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. You also have my dream job, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like you have my dream job that if I were... Like in a rom com or something yeah, that I would want. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> flower shop. It definitely has its ups and downs. Like Valentine's Day is coming up, so that's Ooh. already starting to get a little hairy, but it is a lot of fun. Do you I like reading it. all the notes that people I uh, do. There's some <laughs> juicy notes. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. What a dream. What a dream. <laughs> but to dive right in, tell us the first book you have brought for us today. Sure. So the first book I brought is Just My Type by Fallon Ballard. And this kind of actually, the reason I picked this book was because her first book, Lisa on Love, was one of my favorites of 2022. She, I just resonated with a lot of it. She works for a florist in Park Slope, Brooklyn. So I just thought that was really cool. Obviously, it's a little different from what I do, but I just, that was the first book I had read in like under 24 hours in such a long time. So when I knew she was coming out with a new one, I knew I had to read it. It comes out February 7th and it follows a woman named Lana who is like a serial monogamist and she gets broken up with on the night she thinks she's going to get engaged. And then it's kind of like a rivals to lovers story when she runs into her ex at her company and they decide to take on each other's columns. So she gets challenged to stay single for as long as she can. And her ex, who is kind of a player, gets challenged to give tips on how to stay in a long-term relationship. So if, I feel like if you like to be treated with like the swapping mm. genres, this could be a really good one. This kind of reminds me of like an early 2010s like rom-com <laughs> promise. It sounds great. It kind of gives me um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yes. So, and this one's based in LA, so we get a bit of a different setting for this one. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Oh, this sounds really fun. Yeah. What's the second book that you brought for us? So the second book is Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murders by Jesse Q. Santanto. I read Dial A for Aunties back in 2021, and I just loved how it was so funny. It was like a new genre. I had discovered cozy mysteries, and I was like, this is so fun. 
because it's like it's got a little bit of mystery it's like a classic whodunit without some of the more scarier elements that like modern thrillers and stuff can have and so this one is about a little old lady who lives in san francisco's chinatown and she discovers a dead body in her tea shop so she decides to try to figure out who did it she steals a usb from the body doesn't hand it over to the police because she's like i'm gonna figure it out and i just love the idea of like this little old lady trying to solve a murder and like obviously is going to get herself into some hairy situations but i know it's probably going to end with a happy ending because it's cozy i love a quirky grandma character yeah i do too so looking forward to it i also feel like correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like this author kind of writes in the like comedy murder genre Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a finley donovan or or something where it's like yes it's a cozy mystery but it's not like necessarily like the sedate seaside town like it's like it's funny (laughs) yes she does write a lot of humor like a lot of very like laugh out loud moments I feel like um which can be sometimes hard to do but I I love her her books and her writing style so I'm really excited for this one I love a comedy murder I think it's I think that's such a fun underrated genre we did killers of a certain age for book club Mm -hmm. a few months ago and I just like that book was so surprising to me yeah, I was way. surprised by that one too. I read that one and I was like, oh, this is really funny. Like four badass women who are like retired assassins, but they're very like snarky and sassy to each other. Like it was, it's perfect. This so is, this is really giving me the same vibes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like it's a good genre too if you just want something different. Like just you want to get out of anything you usually read and just do something that's going to make you feel good, but also keep turning the pages. Mm-hmm. This one comes out March 14th. That's my birthday. So for everyone oh. who wants to keep, <laughs> yeah, really unimportant facts, but I am really looking forward to this one as well. So for the final question, what chain restaurant are you choosing and who are you bringing? So this is a really good question. You guys should definitely keep this series up because it is so fun to hear people's answers. So my book character would be Stevie Bell from the Truly Devious series. And we would go to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have read the Truly Devious series. I haven't. Um, I haven't. But tell us. It's kind of a fun, it's not a cozy mystery per se. It definitely does have some darker themes, but it is like a YA thriller. And it's about Stevie Bell who goes, she gets a, I think a scholarship to like a prestigious Vermont boarding school. And so the vibes are immaculate for the winter. Like she gets snowed in sometimes, but she's trying to solve this like, decades old cold case of the owner of the academy his wife and his daughter mysteriously disappeared and they've never been able to figure out what happened so it's a trilogy um and over the course of the trilogy of course she figures out who did it and i just thought it was so good but i need to sit her down at a cheesecake factory we need to go through all 20 pages of that menu and i need to know kind of like her thought process i need to tell her girl you need to go to therapy too because you've been through some trauma <laughs> um so i just think it would be like the perfect and you know she's up in vermont they don't i don't know if they have cheesecake factories up there it's an experience for everyone yeah you just need to sit down this girl with some buffalo blasts and like yeah set her straight <laughs> yeah, her avocado exactly. girl, that's it exactly <laughs> Taylor, you have been such a great guest. I cannot thank you enough for joining us, but can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet if they want to follow you? Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was so fun to think of these questions. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at bookswithtay. Tay is just spelled T-A-Y. Awesome. Thank you. 
So we have Jenny Jackson with us. Jenny Jackson is a vice president and executive editor at Knopf, where she publishes Gabrielle Zevin, Kevin Kwan, Emily St. John Mandel, Cormac McCarthy, Selma Blair, Chris Vajalian, and J. Courtney Sullivan. Her own novel, Pineapple Street, is coming out March 7th. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We're so excited to have you. And tell us, what did you bring for us today? Well, so the first one I wanted to recommend is called Really Good Actually, and the author is Monica Heisey. I hadn't known it before, but Monica is a writer. She was a writer on Schitt's Creek, and I actually think I only figured that out after I had read the advanced reader's copy, and then it all made so much sense because the humor is absolutely the same, but the story is different. So it's this really funny novel about something kind of hard. It's this really funny novel about this 29-year-old divorcee. And she's been divorced for 600 days, not that she's counting. And she just feels like a total failure. And so it really just follows the first year of her trying to pull herself back on her feet and live again as a single human. And it's full of these ridiculous group chats with her friends. And she makes friends with this other woman who's a divorcee and they try and go out and and meet people together. And she ends up moving into the basement of her elderly boss, uh, which doesn't go great. And it's one of those books that I love because if you are someone who who likes sort of salty sweet flavor combos, this is the literary equivalent of like the salty sweet because it's so funny, but it's also actually about something pretty tough. So I just devoured it. It's so funny and wonderful. This one was already on my list to read. It has such a great cover. I think that's what it what drew yes. me to it. But now hearing that she's a writer on Shit's Creek and hearing your pitch for it, I'm even more excited. Yes, the cover is so good. I've never seen anything like it. It's this woman with red hair piled on her head, and it kind of looks like the author, honestly, with just like makeup mascara pouring down her face, which just is like so awesome the way it plays against the title. Really good, actually. I love it. That sounds great. The second book that I wanted to tell you about is called Games and Rituals by Katherine Heine. And Katherine Heine is another one of these, you know, chocolate pretzel writers because she writes funny, funny, funny books that actually have a lot of substance beneath the surface. So Games and Rituals is stories, and they're all about the games and rituals that we perform every day in our relationships. So the title story is about this woman whose boyfriend won't ever spend the night at her apartment, but they've developed this ritual where every night he goes home and calls her and they brush their teeth together. And it just comes to stand for about how much he's willing to give to their relationship. And there are just so many hilarious, wonderful stories in here about, you know, an actor who is having an affair or a woman who has to help her new husband's ex-wife move out of her home. So everybody is sort of tangled up in these dramatic relationships. And Catherine writes in a way that is so witty, but there's actually just this kindness that shines through all of her work. And, you know, she's written a few other books. This is her fourth. Her other story collection is called Single Carefree Mellow. And then she had two novels. And that's really the hallmark of her work is that she is so funny, but you actually feel like, I don't know, kind of great about human decency after you finish reading them. And I can't quite tell, is this fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction stories. Okay. Ooh, I love how you described it. What did you say? Chocolate pretzel? Yeah, we're going to call it a chocolate pretzel. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) It's perfect. I love this. 
And we can't let you leave without asking you our favorite question. If you can bring one fictional character to a chain restaurant, who are you taking and where are you bringing them? Immediately, instantaneously, I know that I will bring Bridget Jones with me to a chain restaurant. I think she'd like that. Oh, I know she would. She'd be good company there. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, she she's really just probably the most girlfriendy out of any character mm-hmm. in fiction ever. And because she's British, I think that I should bring her someplace just quintessentially American. And so I'm going to go with the Sonic Drive-In. Oh, love. You're eating a in your cherry car. limeade. Yeah. Love. Cherry limeade. <laughs> so good. You on roller skates. And then this is like, a lesser known fact, or to me, it was lesser known. I, so I secretly like onion rings, which seems somehow embarrassing, like onion rings. It's kind of no, like- You should be proud of that. It's, it's good. Sonic makes these incredible onion rings. And the way that they do it is they take the raw onion and then they dip it in the melted broth of a vanilla soft serve. What? And then they roll it in flour, dip it in the ice cream again, roll it in cornmeal and fry it. How is this not what everyone in the world is talking about all the time? Oh. I, I've i never been wow. to a Sonic, so I would love to just be in the back seat. first of all, for the onion rings, but also just to eavesdrop. I don't know if I can share any of the onion rings. I'm probably going to eat them all, but you can definitely get in the car. <laughs> you get two okay, orders. Great. They'll bring you two orders great. on roller skates. <laughs> I love this. Jenny, thank you so much for bringing such great recommendations for us. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet if they would like to follow you and give them a reminder of your book's title and when it comes out? Yes. Well, they tie together nicely. So my very first novel ever, my, my debut novel is called Pineapple Street. And you can find me on Instagram at Jenny Jackson Pineapple. I love awesome. that. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having me. So with us, we have Giselle Gonzalez, who's a book publicist by day and a bookish creative addicted to her local NYC tie spot by night. You can find her traveling the world or showing off her favorite reads on Instagram and TikTok at hopelessbooklover underscore. Welcome, Giselle. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We're very excited to hear what you have brought for us. So tell us your first recommendation. My first recommendation that I'm very excited to read this year, as I'm sure many people are as well, is Happy Place by Emily Henry. So it's a second chance romance about a couple that they break up and then five months later, they have to go on a vacation with their group of friends. And there may or may not be a lot of tension. And we've got real life problems that plague love stories. We have best friends growing together and apart. And we've got some sad bits. These are all things that I've gathered from people that have read it. And I'm just like so excited because I love everything Emily writes. I can vouch. I I yeah. read it already. <laughs> I loved it. I think for me, I think it is her best work yet. Like I think it's her deepest Ooh. characters and the emotional arc is like really great. I think for me, my personal favorite still is people we meet on vacation. And I can't even quite explain why I spark with that book so much, but I definitely think like objectively happy place is her best book yet. Oh my God. I got chills. I love people we meet on vacation. And then book lovers is definitely the one that I related to the most, Mm. I think being in publishing, but I think people we meet 
is my favorite as well. But I feel like Happy Place is gonna is gonna top it all. Just the content. I'm second chance romance for me is like creme de la creme. Ooh. Also, I know that Charlie Lastra is the internet's book boyfriend, that people love that mm. character from Book Lovers. Mm-hmm. The boyfriend in this is better. Really? Really? Oh. Wow. Oh, my new tropical boyfriend. Yeah, like, oh, the so internet excited. is going to lose their shit. I'm going to save this book for my tropical vacation that I've yet to plan. Oh, yes. Yes. I feel like because I am lucky enough to get an early copy, I always end up reading Emily Henry in the winter, but it mm-hmm. is meant to be consumed with, like, a tiki beverage. Yeah. Oh, yes. Perfect combination. It's definitely the energy I get as well. Yeah. And what else did you bring for us today? Okay. My second book is... Powerless by Elsie Silver. I read the first two books in the series, the Chestnut Spring series, and I read the first two being in a major Yellowstone kick. It's like their cowboy romances. Yeah, I'm obsessed. This one is childhood friends to lovers and road trip novel. So that to me is like everything that I need in a book. And it stars Jasper, who you meet in the other two books. And he's just like, the star hockey player who's like got really sad eyes and I'm already intrigued Ooh. by him. So it's kind of like, I'm ready to dive in. Um, I feel like hockey players are having a moment. They are like, like on TikTok, My feed is just a lot of hockey content. I don't hate it. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Wait, I have two follow-up questions. Uh, yes. Are they adult hockey players or is it college? Like what's the age of the characters? Professional. Professional. Oh, okay. Well, here in the, in powerless was a hockey player but he also is a cowboy like he grew up in, on a ranch Ooh. So. Ooh. <laughs> what a combo. yeah it's like age gap grumpy sunshine only one bed i love when authors do like trope cards and they give me everything that i want and i'm like okay yeah that's all i need to know that i'm gonna love this book so i'm so excited. okay this the second question is, so is it a loosely connected series? Can you start with this one or do you have to start from book one? I think it's definitely a loosely connected series. Like you could have read the first two out of order, but it definitely will spoil, you know, the. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Each one is like about the different okay. couples. Mm-hmm. That's almost even better to like n- get the bonus of being able to start right now with the first books to get yourself hyped for this. They're so good. Like if you are a fan of like, it happened one summer, things we never got over, like small town Mm -hmm. style, this is, she's a goodie. What's the, do you know the name of the first book? Flawless and Heartless. I feel like I'm in my small town romance era. Like I have OD'd on a lot of romances, but I read Things We Never Got Over and loved it. So I feel like I'm going to check this out because I've never, I don't think I've read a sports romance before. Somebody might prove me wrong and come back and be like, but you loved XYZ. And I've definitely never read a cowboy romance. This was my first, I think it was one of my first dives into the cowboy romance. Okay. And I loved it. I didn't even know that's like a genre. Like it makes sense for sure. But I, I feel like when people world. think cowboy romance, they think those like old timey maths market, like mm. cow- like those like cheesy yeah. covers. And so they kind of like tend to stray away from these. But this series is so good. Like I was touched. Awesome. Love your book, Rex. Very excited. But even more excited to hear your answer to our signature book preview question. If you could take any book character 
to a chain restaurant, who are you taking and where are you going? Yeah, this is a difficult question for me, but I managed to scramble an answer together. Um, I'll start with chain restaurant because this was the easiest uh-huh. thing for me to figure out. Okay. I'm definitely going to Olive Garden. Um, love it. I love Olive Garden. I took my roommate there for the first time last year. It was great. Endless breadsticks and salad. That's my jam. Mediocre Italian food. Love it. It's great. And I'm taking rice and from the Akatar series. <laughs> because I just think that would be really entertaining. And he is like ancient. Like they are like wearing ball gowns where he's from. He's going to be so stressed at an Olive Garden, I think. Or just like really amused. And that'll make me laugh. Oh, yeah. You're Honestly, so right. I I can't picture someone who would be more of a fish out of water at an Olive yeah. Garden, and I would love to be at the booth next to you. Yeah, Me like too. I just think it would be so entertaining. You'd be like, what is this place? <laughs> I'd be like, tell me about where you're from. <laughs> I love this. Amazing. I'm so happy you came to chat with us today. Can you remind our listeners where they can find you on social media if they want to follow you? Yes, you can find me at Hopeless Book Lover with an underscore on Instagram or TikTok. I post quite a bit, especially on my stories, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank Yay. you. All right, to wrap things up, we have our own Olivia Mentor. You know her, you love her. <laughs> she has some book recs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> uh should i dive right in yeah do you want me to do you want me to prompt okay. you <laughs> i don't know i wasn't i wasn't sure i was so in the in the the interviewee mode okay so i as i've been saying have not been reading that much lately so i'm a bit behind so i thought i'd talk about two books that i'm really excited about the first one being the whispers by ashley aldrain who wrote the push this comes out in june 2023 an absolutely gorgeous cover by the way yes, i when agree. i first saw this reveal i was like Oh my God, I I could not dream of a better cover. Just chef's kiss. This is described as a page turner about four suburban families whose lives are changed when the unthinkable happens and what is lost when good people make unconscionable choices. And it says it explores the intuitions that we silence, the complexities of our closest friendships, the danger of envy, and what happens when we put our needs ahead of our children's, which... I love all of that. And I think the reason that I loved the push so much was because it was this amazing page turner and so scary and so thrilling, but also really spoke to the complexities of being a woman and existing in the world and the expectations that are put on women and mothers. And I'm just like, I could not be more excited for a book. Like I am counting down the days. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to this one. So I have not read The Push because I'm a baby and would have nightmares about it for years. (laughs) But I'm very interested in this one because I read online some of the marketing copy that they're pitching this with says even more mainstream than The Push, where The Push was a dark, uncomfortable book. This story with a more familiar suburban setting, a la Leanne Moriarty's novels, will widen Audrain's audience to an even broader group of women readers. That makes me excited. That's very interesting. I feel like if I wasn't such a fan of just like the basic like sentence level writing of the push that maybe that would scare me because I would be like, oh, it's not going to be as creepy, but I I think it'll be good no matter what. And maybe we could both read it. (laughs) Yeah. What else did you bring for us? 
The second one is one I think you have read, but it's The Survivalist by Kashana Kali, which comes out this month, uh, January 2023. And it is about a group of community gardeners who meet doomsday preppers who are stockpiling weapons for, I guess, the end of the world, set in Brooklyn. I am really drawn to the cover of this book. I think it's really well done. And I love a survival story. I love like a doomsday story. I love doomsday preppers, the show. <laughs> and I, I'm just really curious to to see how this one goes. I've, I've heard a little bit of Becca's thoughts about it, but yeah, we'll see if I like it. I'll say this, which I was going to say in the book section at the end of the podcast, this whole section is a book section, I guess. I've been having a lot of trouble mentally getting into anything just because of where I am with my own book. So it's not a commentary on this book. I put it aside, but I want to pick it up again. It's really interesting. It's about a, I don't know that I would say community gardeners. It's a black lawyer who's like given up on dating, who goes on a great first date with this guy who then turns out to be a doomsday prepper. And she gets kind of like sucked into his crowd, I think. Oh, where did the community gardeners thing? I just maybe pulled I haven't that from the description only, of the book. I only read the first 50 pages, so maybe I'm not there yet. I'm really excited to go back to this. I will say the writing style is really jarring, like the way that it's written. And it takes a second to get used to. So I was like, I need to be in a different headspace for this. But I'm really excited about it because it's also the author, Kashana Cowley, is... Um, I don't know if she still is or used to be a writer on um, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Well, Trevor Noah's not on The Daily Show anymore, but, you know, if she's still a writer for The Daily Show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me even more excited to read. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely had like a biting humor to it. Well, stay tuned because this is very close to the top of my TBR pile. So I'll probably be talking about it again on the podcast soon. Well, let's get into some end matter. Yeah. Tell me about your obsession. I'm obsessed with Ginny and Georgia season two. Did you watch season one? No. Should I? I don't yeah. Yeah. It's is like, it better than Emily in Paris or worse? Better. Better. It. You have to like, it's better. It was one of those pandemic fever dream shows that everyone watched. And like, you know, like when Tiger King, everyone watched it. And then like the yeah. second season came out and it was like, I'm not watching this. So I, I did watch was, the second season. Oh, you did? <laughs> So I was kind of worried it was going to be like that. And it's still so good. I think even better. It's kind of like the way I would describe it is demented Gilmore Girls. So it's about Mm. a family. The mom had her first daughter when she was 15 and she has two kids. So there's there's a daughter and a son. There's like a decent amount of darkness in it that that Gilmore Girls doesn't have, which makes it really interesting. Like a mystery angle. I've been hearing this darkness, which I only know it like kind of as a vague concept of a show and I just know that Taylor Swift was mad about a joke on it mm-hmm. but when everyone was like yeah it's very dark I was like what but, yeah but makes so, me more curious yeah so it's like it's part high school drama because of the older daughter who's a sophomore in high school then it's part like the mom is kind of like a grifter con artist so it's like part the mom's story and then there's this mystery threaded through it which I can't tell you even what the mystery surrounds without spoilers hmm. yeah it's it's really good and the second season I was wary of it, but it it lived up. Okay. All right. Noted. What did you bring for us? Have you seen this on TikTok? No. This... The, it feels like you just AI generated some <laughs> words to put in here. It's okay. For my outline, I put Amelia from Chicken Shop Date and Arch- Andrew Garfield. So have you seen the Chicken Shop Date videos, interviews? 
No. What are you talking okay. about? Okay, this is the thing. So there's this girl named Amelia, this woman, I should say. Uh-huh. She interviews celebrities in a chicken shop in England. Okay. So again, this sounds unhinged, but it's a thing. Web series? She, is it like a podcast? Yeah, it's like a YouTube series, okay. I think. And it's like kind of gained popularity over the past, I would say, year. Uh-huh. It's very hard to explain the tone of it unless you watch it. It's not a serious interview. Okay. She has ones with like Jack Harlow, which is a really famous one because it's super flirty. And then... That guy from the 1975 who's, like, always making out with people. Yeah. So kind of, like, internet people. There's one with Phoebe Bridgers. Anyway, so she's been doing red carpet interviews this season. And she has had two run-ins with Andrew Garfield. And the first one was, like, very flirty. And then the second one was at the Golden Globes. And it was, like, intensely flirty. And it went on and on. I was watching TikTok and like I was watching video after video of the same interview because it is so like it's like you're watching like a famous person, real person, like meet cute kind of thing. Okay. Um, I was, and it's like they're like making fun of each other. And yeah, I went from very unsold to you said it's like watching a famous person, normal person rom-com. And I was like, I'm here. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I just kept smiling watching it. And I can't remember if I mentioned this, but there's a TikTok where a body language expert like explains everything he's doing and like the way he touches her hand and like his eye. I mean, it sounds very creepy, actually, now that I'm explaining it. But I was like sitting here like a gremlin in my office before we started recording, like watching the videos like hee hee. I love this. Anyway, go on TikTok. It's everywhere. By the time this is live, it'll probably be like ancient news, but I'm obsessed. So it is my obsession. Have you read anything this week? No. (laughs) Okay. Noted. (laughs) No, I'm a failure, but one day I'll be back. Sure. What have you been reading? I read two things. So I finished my annual January reread of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I read every January. I've probably read it five or six times now. And the thing that struck me this time, which is so counter to my own experience, was the lightness with which she approaches her creativity. Like, very easy come, easy go. It's not a big deal. Nobody's going to die. Like, have a sense of perspective about it, which I have not. And so that was really what I latched on to this time. And it made me made me feel really seen, but it also kind of gave me a new way to think about it that I really want to try to hold close to my heart when I start my second book. Do you think that that's contributed to your like sort of lighter attitude this week? Like you're you're feeling a little bit less? Maybe. I, I also think that it's that nobody's bothered me so I can just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that too. That'll, yeah. that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's good. And then I I alluded to the fact that I read the first 50 pages of like six books this week. I just couldn't get into anything. I was just having focus problems. I was not liking things that I knew I would like, if that makes any sense. Like I just had a poor attitude. I've been in that same exact place. (laughs) And so I, I decided I just, I needed a light, smutty romance. And so I read an an advanced copy of Business or Pleasure by Rachel Lynn Solomon, who wrote the X Talk. This one comes out in July, and it's a famous person, normal person romance. And it's about, it was a trope that 
I don't think I've seen done before. I'm, I don't know if it's truly original, but it's about a woman who's a celebrity ghostwriter for like celebrity memoirs who meets this guy at a bar, goes home with him and has the worst sex of her life. And then it turns out that he is a celebrity and she has been hired to write his memoir. It eventually comes out that the sex was not that great for her. And so she, in addition to writing his memoir, they kind of agree on this like sex lessons pact. Oh my God. I was like, I think I know where this is going, but maybe not. But it was. <laughs> <laughs> so it was super dirty and it was very empowered. Really liked it. It was about uh, the guy was on like a teen vampire show, which I liked too. Or it was werewolves, I think. <laughs> it was like very easy reading. Crushed it. Awesome. Sounds fun. Yeah, very fun. Really liked it. All right. Well, in the words of Becca, that's all we have for you this week. No, that's not all we uh, have for you. We have a plug for our January book club, which is The Villa oh, yeah, by Rachel Hawkins, that we're going to discuss the last week of the month. Yeah. Wait, I have one more thing. Okay. Do you hate me? <laughs> no, it's okay. I also want to have a little desperation minute, which was something we used to do on this podcast quite a lot and haven't done in a while. But one of my goals this year is to grow our podcast listenership by 20%. And I'm highly biased, but I think this episode would be a great episode to send to somebody who likes to read in your life to get a sense of like our banter and who we are. But you don't need any real backstory to jump into this one. So if you know someone in your life who would like this, send them a text, share it on your story, help me achieve my goal. Yeah, please. That would be great. It would be much appreciated. I'm doing a really weird like shoulder dance as I beg for this. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I did not know what was happening. <laughs> and I was a little bit I like, feel, I'm, I'm not going to comment on it. Maybe she can't help. I feel I uncomfortable. Know. And so I'm like sexually shimmying at Olivia while I ask for this. <laughs> I was like, okay. I, I thought maybe you were scratching your foot or something. No. And then I was like, wait, it's very rhythmic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe what we really need to grow the podcast is a video component. Oh, my God. Because if everyone could just see what I just experienced, I think we would be, I mean, we would be the biggest podcast on earth. I disagree. I politely disagree. (laughs) That's that's fair. What if I was also wearing a bun at the same time? I think people would be interested. Okay. All right. Take us home, Olivia. You can also join us in the Bad on Paper Facebook group and talk to us about what you're excited to read this year. You can follow the podcast at Bad on Paper Podcast. You can follow me at Olivia Mentor. And I'm at Becca M. Freeman. See you next week. Oh my gosh, did you see that? Yeah. Is that lightning? Yeah. God was like, do not wear your hair in a bun, Olivia. He <laughs> this smote is you. your reminder. What's, what's the past tense of smote? <laughs> Oh, there he is again. He has feelings. Or she. She has feelings. Anyway. um, God is a woman and does not like the sorority bun. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'm getting that on a t-shirt.